I'm in Max, 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 Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 29, Episode 9 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I'm Stork. In this episode of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, Ruth from England sends us 1D10 question table. A 1D10 question mm-hmm. table. Oh, but, and there's actually a table within the table, which is even cooler. And yes. there is. There is a, a random question generator, <laughs> which we will... It's totally cool. We don't need email anymore. Totally cool. That. <laughs> <laughs> Bill from Colorado writes in about note-taking, and Josh in Orlando writes in again about paid GMs. Because I guess we... You know, sometimes we answer the question we think we hear, not the question they actually wrote in. That I, I, I think we did that. Yeah. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. And if you'd like to watch the show live, you can go to happyjacks.org slash live at 7.32 p.m. Pacific Standard Time now. Um, I Didn't we like vote to stop that? I just am so tired of it. No, we didn't vote to stop that. No one... No, we would like to. They've done polls, and they know that most people don't want to have yeah. to switch time back and forth. Because mm-hmm. it actually has a life cost. Yes. <laughs> what they actually did, I'm not kidding, is that they voted to look into it to see if it was worthy <laughs> of having another vote. So they yeah. voted to make a committee, so I'm sure people are making money getting yeah. paid to, to oh, think about yeah. it. Well, you gotta, yeah, you got to pay the... Yeah, of course. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Um, so, yeah, happyjacks.org slash live, 7.30 p.m. on Fridays, Pacific Time. And there it is. Yeah. And I need a D10, unless someone else wants to roll it. There you go. Okay. Ready? Roll it. Six. Six. Question number six. And they'll mark it Wait, off. Don't we have other stuff to... No, is that everything we have oh. to do? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Question six is the 5D6 roll table oh, to it's random it's questions. The... You know what? I'm gonna re- can I re-roll? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to yeah. re-roll. <laughs> I want to save that one for later. We don't want a TPK. <laughs> Ten objects in play. Hmm. Oh, this is from Ruth in England. Thank you, Ruth in England, for sending us ten questions. Yeah. And a table. I don't know if we're going to do them to all tonight. The, to no, no, the, we're not. You have to read the intro first, though. Oh, I will. Yeah. Because that's like, yeah. Hello, oh wonderful Jackers. Hello. I truly can't believe you're all still going with the <laughs> podcast after all these years. Me Thanks. too. Right. I we're old now. We're really old. We might be one of the oldest. We are. That's, no, awesome. awesome. that's been We're around. One. We one. are very close one to being of. the oldest. Okay. Well, there's still some of those guys are still hanging on. Yeah. We're, we're now one of the <laughs> old guys hanging on, Stu. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I used to listen to you as a kid on my paper round. Stop Thanks. it. No. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, cool. You're dating yourself because uh, paper routes are... They're, they're like are, from the 1950s. Yeah, <laughs> well, they, they still exist. You can still subscribe to a paper, and someone brings it to your house. Yeah. But you, even when I was a kid, it was it, it went from. I remember when it used to be kids on bicycles, and that was like early 70s. Mm-hmm. And then it flipped, and it's it's dudes and trucks, dudes and pickup trucks. Yeah. <laughs> 
Occasionally, because I get up at the ass crack of dark thirty. Occasionally, I'll follow them down the road or whatever, and they're just there's like they're they're flying out of both yeah. sides of the windows. It's pretty yep. funny. <laughs> I did that in college. My boyfriend had a paper route like that. We'd get up super early, early in the morning, ride around Riverside in the back of his pickup truck, throwing throwing papers everywhere. It's so funny. Oh, uh, anyway, I never knew that. That's a, what a great story. <laughs> I came back to listen a while ago. Oh, thank you, and welcome back. Welcome yeah. back. And figure with the amazing advice you've given me over the years, those many, many, many years, uh, I could at least <laughs> reply to your desperate plea for emails <laughs> with a juicy list of topics. So Here we're goes. Old and desperate. I love this email. We are old and desperate. <laughs> Happy Jack's RPG podcast, pursuing the RPG hobby with desperation and age. <laughs> Thank Maybe that should be our new, our new, uh, you know, yeah. old age and treachery will make up for youth and enthusiasm every time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here goes. Uh, feel free to pick or choose from our list, or just roll a d10, which is what we did what we twice. Because the table, I want to save that. Yeah. Because <clears throat> some of those may not work as play as well as I think they will. <laughs> All right. Um, ten objects in play. I'm endless, endlessly interested in games. Which bring objects in as part of their play to good effect. The Jenga Tower in Dread. Mm-hmm. Getting steadily more wobbly as the game goes on and the tension builds. Crossing it off so I can do it next week. Mm-hmm. How, char- how character gen in Swords Without Master uh, begins with players all bringing something, a painting, a song, an object, to the table, which will serve as inspiration for their character. And Tin Ten can and the candles and ten candles, uh, really visually representing the situation. I know that between you, you've used some fantastic props in your games. I still think about those tickets to hell you <laughs> handed out in the Dead Presidents game. <laughs> but are there any that spring to mind as having really made the game pop just by being included? Which examples are you most proud of? Do you always look for opportunities to use props, or is it more of a bonus if you think of it? Well, I, I actually learned my, my love of props from you. Because <laughs> you and your newspapers, right. and I remember the Ghostbusters game is when you really exposed us all to props. Because you had a newspaper, you had uh, uh, some... Oh, even your character sheets. Yeah, If I recall right. correctly, your character sheets were built as if they were police records. Because I, I gave everyone a yeah. file folder, and yeah. it had like your police record with a mug shot, and it had like all the information... And I took all of the character information and put it in as if it was items in a yeah. in a, a police rap sheet. Because back when we were playing, we would just sort of like make a map, you know, that week in, in math class, and we were supposed right. to be paying attention, and then play it on a weekend. <laughs> yep. um, but it was like you know, it wasn't really. We didn't go the extra mile to make it look like it. And I think maybe once or twice somebody did, but we never we never went that because most of the time the games were just sort of made up as we went along, and nobody really had a whole plan going on. But I, I kind of picked it up from you, where you really got into the, some of the props. You at one point you found. Um, a map of the L.A. Uh, subway system. Right. Um, that was the Ghostbusters game. That was the yeah. Ghostbusters game. Right, right. So I've taken some of that and put that into some of my, my games as well, and I have a, a lot of fun with it. And, and again, I think back on, back in the early days of the show, when we first started up, there was, a, there was an H.P. Lovecraft website that you could download telegrams 
and tickets. Oh. You could match packs. Yeah, you could you, like uh, match boxes. Yeah, That's and you could cool. cut in there. You could put them on a card stack and cut them out, and it would tell you where to glue to put them all together. Oh my god! Oh yeah, it was fucking awesome. They it have, might still be there. They I don't had know. old photographs as well. They mm-hmm. had, and so it was everything you needed to make like a period campaign. And I remember going. I remember combing through that, thinking, "This is the coolest thing oh, I've yeah. ever seen." And there, there also there's uh, there's two or three of them now, I think. But they're, the and, uh, a telegram maker. Yeah, that would like had yeah. looked like a Western <laughs> Union telegram. It That's was awesome. Cool. It was totally cool, and then you could hand those out. And it was it was specifically <clears throat> designed, I think, around one or two Call of Cthulhu campaigns that these props were made for, because they had like train tickets. Oh yeah, it was really cool, and that made me that made me go, hmm, there's something here. Yeah, you know, if because I only own one or two like actual official Call of Cthulhu adventures, and one of them is Mass Annihilatotep, mm-hmm. and in the back of that book, probably ten or twelve pages in the back is all props. Mm-hmm. You can go through, photocopy them onto cardstock to make the little matchbox, matchbook, and there's like business cards and like cutouts from newspaper articles and all kinds of shit in there. It's it's totally cool if you're playing like a gumshoe game Absolutely. and somebody hands you the card and you actually hand the card to the players and oh my god, I mean that's mm-hmm. a not only does it help with players remembering what's going on, but it's just it's a cool moment of interactivity with all the players. I dig it. I totally dig it. Yeah. Um, and I've done it in some of the con games we did. I did a, a, a I had a, a freak show where Grendel gets brought up in, in Boston, and is the troll. Right. Anyway, but the long story short, uh, I had a, a sort of basically a substitution message. I used runic lettering, and then had a had a key for it. And so I dropped that on the table as they were searching the apartment. Prompt, and so that one of the people. I think it might have been Kurt. Actually, did the little substitution puzzle mm-hmm. and deciphered it, and they all got into it. And then in my fairy game, I actually had a whole puzzle that I made of these doors. There was a there was a, a set of broken doors on the on the on the ground, and a blank wall on the castle. But there were two sets of doors, and they had to figure out which door to assemble to stick on the castle. And I literally had an envelope that I ended up poured it out, and they all dove on the thing. Everybody's playing, putting oh, the, so doors like the doors together, are like broken in different pieces. And you have to figure out which uh-huh. pieces. Okay. And cool. suddenly all of these, you know, too cool for school adults were all diving in and building a puzzle. And they dug it. And so I, ever since then, I've always tried to include some cool prop in my game. I just thought of, an, <laughs> I just, I, I thought of a prop and I have, no, I have to figure out where to use it. I have, you know, I, I have a sublimation printing mm-hmm. set up over here. Mm-hmm. I have, they're probably like 12 by 10. They're uh, jigsaw, blank jigsaw puzzles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, so I, I made I made pictures of both of the kids for Heather for yeah, like yeah. Mother's Day or something mm-hmm. a year or two ago, and uh, but it came when I bought them it came in like a pack of ten so I have more of them I'm like, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what to do with them fucking jigsaw perfect puzzle. yeah <laughs> I so just have to figure out what game to do with it it's but it's a lot of fun it mm-hmm. it really helps your uh, your players sort of get into the main, and again I think with that same one that same fairy fan one I had I, everybody had pumpkins. Mm-hmm. On their, on their, um, with dice in them. I, I bought everybody. This is back when we used to give away gifts for showing up to your games. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I, I bought them like red and black Halloween themed dice that were in the little pumpkins that oh, that's they, cool. that they got as a mm-hmm. prize for showing up to the game. Right. And uh, again, it's just it's a small thing, but it, it people dig it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, and all the players. It, it's also kind of a little break. You get like a little, another little mini game in the midst of your big game. You're like, oh great, I get to assemble a puzzle. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think what. Because she's asking, like, what stands out as really, like, transforming a game. 
And I keep going back to it every time. It's that fucking newspaper in the vampire. Yeah. <laughs> because it ch- literally changed the course of the game. Absolutely, it did. <laughs> it Absolutely. was completely unintentional. Well, the backstory behind that is because you learned when you put an article in the newspaper... It Somebody's going to seize on it. Ad. And, it but you, ad. but you, yeah. Well, when we went, she's too old to own a, a bar. <laughs> Our ages, like views, or it's what, like, like spiraled into. How this, does that logic? Yeah, super powerful mage. <laughs> Tim, Tim, like latched onto that and would not let go. And I remember rolling my eyes at it, like this is what Stu does. He just puts in fluffer to fill out the because we we went and shot the bear. All those years ago, over the exact same situation, it was a whole like, adventure I never even intended. <laughs> and so you learn. I think I think you. Even I had said. Nazis and dirigibles <laughs> planned and all yeah. kinds of shit. And we went <laughs> go look for the mutated bear to in the woods. Shoot a bear. Yep. Yep. You're still mad at us. No, no, not mad. <laughs> I think mine. I I love props and I love making them. I haven't actually done it so much lately. Um, you know, I, that's I was thinking about when, when because of the pandemic when we, all the gaming went online. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. Now. yeah. Well, Unless you mail also, it to someone, I yeah. guess. I think even before pandemic, though, I kind of um, kind of drifted off from doing it. Because most of the time I do it for con games, for one-shots. Right. <clears throat> um, and then when I was, I think, like, running my game, like, I was so nervous to get feedback and stuff on the games I was designing. It, like, became a secondary thing. I think, though, forever, like, the cool, like, I, I did so many props. But I think the one that was really super transformative when I did the the laser ponies. Mm-hmm. That's the one I was going to yeah. mention. If you, if you didn't bring it up, I was going to. Yeah, so I did this laser ponies game that, it's like this happy little, like, kids, like, system, which I love. If you have kids, check out laser ponies. It's like a dollar. It's super cute. The the guy's kids actually did all the artwork in it. His, like, daughters. It's right. all, like, little ponies and, like, with We're lasers. probably all in college now. Yeah, they are. <laughs> right. uh, but they have, like, little lasers coming out of their eyes. Um, and I, of course, um, was kind of... I, I ran a, a Dirty Adults game. So it was, like, the A-team, like, evil ponies. Like, one of them's, like, a sharpshooter. One of them has, like, a cigar sticking out of its mouth. And I actually made... Like, I bought all these little dollar store ponies... And, like, repainted them and gave them all cutie marks. Those are the pr- little pictures on the butt of My Little Ponies, for those of you who aren't into My Little Pony three. culture. <laughs> there's usually three cutie marks? Well, usually it's it's a, it's whatever the thing is, and there's, like, usually Oh, there's a, little extra. Yeah, there yeah. are things around. Yes. Um, Allie like was the right age. I used stars. to watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, she knows the new My Little Ponies, which have, are quality. Like my, There's even my, newer ones now, and I she's know. complaining about them. I know. <laughs> I, see, she knows how I feel now with her generation. Yeah, hers was the Friendship is Magic ones. Yeah, yes. those are those are. Hers. As long as Doctor Hoobs is in both of them, I'm okay. With <laughs> Doctor, <laughs> but uh, like I think it, t- it totally transformed the game because it was sort of like this weird kind of funny off the wall concept in this very rules light system, right? Very rules light system, um, and I had so this whole group of adults at the table and just like having <laughs> little ponies made it work. Like they literally were like walking their little ponies around the table to talk to each other, <laughs> and like they like at one oh, point. It was great. It, it was, was great. amazing. And at one point, like, the part of the plan is, like, to disguise the ponies. So they, like, started wrapping up paper because, like, one of them was going to have an afro. So they, like, wrapped up paper to make an afro on the pony and, like, walked the pony. And, like, none of it was necessary. Like, there wasn't any map on the table or any of that stuff. But they got super, super into it. It was amazing. <laughs> and I was, I'm still very proud of, like, the artwork on those ponies. Like, the, it, You it were up great. all night painting ponies. I was, yeah, I was, like, <laughs> was really crazy. stressed out they weren't going to dry. <laughs> <laughs> they were, like, I was still a little tacky before the game, but 
They had a, and actually, like when I run into those people, most of them still have their ponies sitting somewhere. <laughs> I would. Like if every I once in, in a while, I remember like, walking by going, I want a pony. I, pony. I, know. <laughs> I want a Kimmy original. <laughs> I know. It was pretty fun. I have pictures of them somewhere on the internet, and I'll post them somewhere. I'll tweet them out later, but they're, you, it was you, fun. You also did one with um, the dragons. Yes. And you made like a full on book for each one of them? Like yeah. a book cover? I don't know if I'd consider that a prop though. Like I, I, I went through and like did artwork for each one of their, their Oh you had the Harry Potter one where you did you have the little spell books for each Harry Potter one? Yeah, the Harry Potter one I made spell books because I I twisted um uh, wild talents. Oh, okay. To work as um, like Harry Potter um, with the spell system, so I had to. There was, there's not spells in wild talents, at least there weren't at the time. So I made um, a whole little way to do magic with the the wild talent system, and so I made little books of every Harry Potter spell mm-hmm. and like what you had to roll to use that spell, and then I made wands for them all too. So oh, that's that was very right. fun. So it's totally cool. It was very totally cool. And that, cool kinda, that was a great prop too, because like suddenly they're able to use the words from like they can use any of the spells they saw in the movies or read of the books. I think it was this might have been pre movies or I think just a couple of the movies had come well, out. Well the mo- yeah the movies the movies started coming out before the series was long before the series yeah, was so done. I th- I, yeah I think no, Goblet sure. of Fire came out when the first movie came out. And it's like real yeah. it was like real Yeah, early. so the, there must have been some of the movies out. But yeah and then that was another one where it's like people would look in their spell book, say the spell and like wave their wand at each other, which is super fun. So I I love props. And again with the con games, I mean I remember going to AAA and getting like a a map of downtown Boston yeah. that I was gonna use and put little put the little red marks where, where the crime seen it happen and gave it to them and uh the last game i ran there it was a there was a, a scroll mm-hmm. that they got for their quest and it was in a, i went and found a scroll tube and put the scroll in there and dropped it down there that was the beginning of the game you know what i'd love to be able to do is to have like a giant cork board and give them photo give them a big like yeah. a big skein of yarn and a bunch of photos <laughs> and, and they can make their and documents and yeah. shit and it's crime scene what do they photos. call that <laughs> they call what do they call that there's a name for that board uh, i don't know i don't know the I have no conspiracy idea. Conspiracy board? I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's the like crazy the crazy ass conspiracy board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, clearly we are fans of props. Yeah. And, and Kimmy shamed us all, so none of us can do props <laughs> anymore because who makes wands except Kimmy? That, which is awesome. It was very cool. Truly awesome. Now I have a toddler. I don't know if I have time to do that anymore. We'll see once once the the cons come back. We'll see. Yeah. Get a bunch of get a bunch of makers in a room playing a game. <laughs> Stuff happens. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, and we'll be thanking you nine more times. Yes. Root. Well, there is there is another offshoot to this, which is maybe how I interpreted it when we were doing this. Which is like I remember uh, recently I was playing a game with Chris, mm-hmm. and he had a timer, one of the little sand timer things mm-hmm. had to right. drop down on the table, and although it didn't, it was part of the the vampire gave us you have this amount of time to deal with it, and he he brings he says he brings it around with him everywhere he goes because you never know when you're going to you know have mm-hmm. a time limit on your thing. And, okay, so that's an example of a prop that the GM sort of brought, but it was there, and we're all staring at it, and it really, <laughs> really kind of added a lot to the game. Oh, well, yeah. Absolutely. No, I don't know. Like, now, is that a, a tool, or is that an actual prop? Well, you know, she brings up the ten candles. The candles the and ten candles. That's a prop? That... I think, that, yeah, there's a fine line there. I mean, but but the, the candles also serve, like, a, <clears throat> a thematic purpose. Yeah. Like, they set the mood, the fact that there's, like, the darkness and the light. I think the same way a timer would, especially if you're in a situation where you're, like, not sure what you're going to do, and all of a sudden the GM's like... Well, and the vampire, yeah, the uh, vampire himself said, you have this amount of time, and he turned the, the okay, thing Okay, then over. that's a definitely a problem. Like, if you, I mean, would you feel the same way if they pulled out, like, one of those, like, kitchen timers, like an egg timer? 
Is that then prop? Uh, mine was the 1950s, yes. <laughs> if, yeah, if, said, if, said, if, if there's a bomb in the room, uh, uh, hidden in the building, you need to find it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Having that. I would totally. That okay. would be so into that. I can see that. But it's another example of mic, how to put it. props into yeah. a game. So it's nice and loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the ticking like that makes me nervous anyway. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. But if you tell me that there's a bomb and when this thing dings, it'll go off, uh, I will I'll have a heart attack. <laughs> when I was in like... I think it was like right after I graduated from college. It's right when I moved out. I found when I, in a drawer or in a, in a box an actual wind-up alarm clock. Oh, one of those old-school two, two bells, bells on it? Like, like all from the Looney Tunes cartoons? <laughs> that shit lasted <laughs> maybe an hour. And I'm like, fuck! Because I set the thing and I'm like, go to bed. <laughs> fuck this! Yeah, <laughs> I nope. took the thing... I think it had to stop. It had like a little thing on there. You could stop it. I don't remember. I don't yeah. know what yeah. I did. Like but I made it. I, I may have just thrown it away. <laughs> but now I'm you like, know why it was in the this. drawer for forty years. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it still worked too. I don't know. Sure. But I have no idea if it kept good time. Probably. They're pretty simple. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you again, Ruth. Yes. And uh, note taking from Bill in Colorado. Very short email. Okay. Ready to go? Yep. I'm not on the page. We were unprepared. I'm sorry. All right. All right. I was on the wrong. Page. Oh, man. All the emails. Are no right. taking from Bill in uh, Colorado. Reporting the session is great for taking... Uh, recording the session is great for taking notes. We play on Zoom and I record the sessions. I listen to it again at two times speed and do a session write-up. That way you don't miss anything and you can not pay uh, and you can pay more attention in the game. Bill Crook from Colorado. I do this when there's... Yes. When there's... If there's been a gap and I don't remember exactly what happened last time. Because I always drop little things that I... Like, tr- try to remember, I-, I did this thing and I did it for a reason, but I didn't write it down. Because you say to yourself the same thing, the same voice I have in mind, oh, I'll remember, I don't need to write that down. And then two weeks go by and you're like... Or a month, and then it's like, uh-oh. What are the name of the players again? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, What's and, <laughs> but I'm not. But I- I'm not going to listen to a three-hour mp3 of anything especially with your voice on it yeah right like, it's like blah 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 shut that fucker up <laughs> and but but i will listen to it at, at least two times speed. yeah <laughs> and then i when i start to hear something it's like oh wait that was important and i'll slow yeah. it down i'm like oh oh yeah well, now why did i do that yeah oh yeah most of the time just hearing it and hearing the context around it, i'll go okay now i remember what i was doing it's incredibly valuable, especially when there's a big gap in time. Yeah, I would never. I don't think I would ever do it if there wasn't a gap in time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, we're lucky in that we can we, we default to because we're recording it for the internet. But even at home, you just have your phone on and record your game mm-hmm. sessions. Oh, yeah. Unless you have someone who's who writes better notes than the game itself, like Sam or right. Pooja. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pooja writes a good note <laughs> too. So good. Sam's are always so interactive with like little I characters. Know, pictures, it's always so fun. And it's I know beautiful it's so little handwriting. Although Pooja has amazing handwriting too. It's yes. ridiculous. But yes, it, that pisses me off that their handwriting is so good. It really does. It's irritating. Oh, mine's <laughs> awful. Well, they're artists. I can't read. Oh, oh, that would explain. Yeah. yeah, I can't read my own writing most of the time. Yeah, I should show you I, my I fucking. To, I went to art school and my handwriting is shit. Yeah, it's terrible. Like like Samantha <laughs> like literally draws stuff for a living, and Pooja does prop stuff. So she literally has to do like writing writing and stuff for props that are on TV and things right. to make it look good. And We're also both left-handed. That yeah. has something to do oh, with it, that. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I've done some inter- informal studies on it. My mother's handwriting was terrible. You could barely read it. Her yeah. mother's handwriting was terrible. You could barely yeah. read it. My father's was the better handwriting, but his still wasn't great. My dad's handwriting was messy. My down. mother's was very good. 
Um, my youngest sister and I, the, the two, were the two youngest siblings. Our, our handwriting is illegible. Mm. And she's not left-handed. My oldest sister's handwriting is about as neat as my mother's was, which was like almost like the like the cursive primer book. Uh-huh. It almost looked that good. Yeah, it's funny we're talking about this on the news this morning. The, uh, the Taylor Swift wrote a thank you note to um, to Don McLean uh, because she now has like the longest pop song in history. For the longest time, Die by American Pie that one mm-hmm. went, right. was the longest. Note. Anyway, they showed a picture picture of the note. The newscaster was like, "What glorious handwriting she has!" I'm so <laughs> envious. Who, who was, who was it? It was Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. Oh, like she. <laughs> Of course, she's tall and beautiful and writes a million songs and is taking on the record company. And of course, she has great handwriting. Why wouldn't <laughs> right. she? Amongst the many other great things she's thinking You know, she's great there at. The, we learned cursive, I think, in fifth grade is when we learned it, I think. It's usually fourth grade. They may have started it in fourth grade. That was Mr. <laughs> Curlyberg. He threw, he threw shit at us in class. Oh, okay. Actual shit? No, um, like it's illegal now. Tonka truck wheels. Yeah, that's not allowed. Yeah, he, he and he would, he, he would start with a beanbag. Mm-hmm. If he threw something, it's when he, he caught you talking to someone mm-hmm. when he would, wanted you to pay attention. He'd start with a beanbag, mm-hmm. and he was had good aim. I got clipped <laughs> twice, and I got I got the beanbag and I got the the Tonka truck wheel. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing, he had this giant rock, and he said, "If I have to throw something at you a third time, it's going to be this." <laughs> <laughs> no one ever never never graduated to the rock. He obviously wasn't going to ever throw it yeah. at anyone, but. Um, but in fifth grade, Mrs. Dank, we had two. We had this weird thing where they start moving back and forth between classes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like, but it was like the teachers were like paired up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and our teacher was Miss Lilia, and the other teacher that we would go have some subject with was Mrs. Dank, and Mrs. Dank literally had handwriting that was indistinguishable from the book. Yeah, it was freaking textbook. Handwriting. Yeah, some people and just, she was left-handed. Some people have that gift. That's all I'm saying. Well, no, it also like it's something that was very ingrained into, especially lots of women. Mm-hmm. Like, like my grandmother's writing is like the book. My mother's is almost that good. Mine is better when I'm writing on the board than it is when I'm writing notes, just because right. I practice more. Um, but yeah, so it's just one of those things that like was very like I don't know a feminine thing that they really focused on for women. I remember I got Pro- tons of shit about my handwriting in fourth grade. Pro- but that, that's probably left over from the fifties and sixties. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Like, oh, you need to. Oh, honey, if you're going to get a job, you're going to have to oh. be able to take dictation. You're going to be a secretary. Right. Yeah. It doesn't explain my grandmother's and my mother's chicken no, scratch. No. no. <laughs> my grandmother's writing is so bad that there are times like back when my mother was alive, we would get together on the recipe book and go, <laughs> "What does that say? Is that <laughs> teaspoon or tablespoon?" And we'd like. Okay, well, it's this many people are eating. It's got to be a teaspoon. It was just awful. So, I read a letter. I ha- I oh, I possessed this letter. It was written to my great grandmother. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, my great grandmother from her adopted sister. And it, I only got one page of it because it was a two-page letter. You can tell it was obviously a two-page letter. Oh. I only have one page of it, and it's a. Ama- and this letter is from like 1890, 1880 or something. Mm-hmm. You can still read it. Yeah, it's so perfectly legible. And there's no scratching out. It's all like they were just taking dictation. Yeah, and, and she lo- wrote it in verse. I remember seeing what she wrote. Yeah. The, the whole thing rhymes. Wow, it, it's it's all written in couplets. It's um, all two two rhyming lines. The whole thing, and there's. N- now who knows? Maybe she wrote the thing out, scribble, 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 yeah, yeah. and then rewrote, re-wrote it. it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, 
That's back when people took time and yeah, communicating was an art. <laughs> but I, I don't even know who the letter's from. All I know is she mentions the fact that they're sisters, but Nora Stone, that mm-hmm. my great grandmother, had no. She was an only child, and her par- both of her parents died bef- by the time she was like eight mm. or nine. Oh. So she ended up being adopted by someone else. So this is whoever her adopted sister was. Mm-hmm. No idea who it was because wow. there's no records on her adoption oh, wow. at all. Next time we do a vampire game, you're going to have to have some old vampire yeah. that writes an iambic <laughs> pentameter, <Yeah>. right? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what they know. Mm-hmm. Chris, uh, Kit Marlowe, yeah, yeah, he's a vampire. He's right. a vampire. He told yeah. he, fa- he faked his death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're a vampire. You don't die. You actually have to pretend to die so that you can go away. And, 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 and he, he keeps coming else. back as like a different, like famous artist every century. Oh yeah, sure. yeah, like the Highlander. Yeah. And, you know, if you're going to be a vampire, working in theater would probably be the it's best John thing. Lennon. It's all dark anyway. You're always in the dark. You're working at night. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you. Boy, we got, off a, we got off on a tangent there. That's yeah. Right. Handwriting. <laughs> Handwriting and pop. Uh, good job. Recording Zoom. Good idea. Yep. Uh, Paid GMs from Joss in Orlando. I guess I can read this. I actually did a little homework on this here, too. Okay. okay. Uh, greetings, Happy Jack crew. A little while back, I wrote about my amazement about the existence of professional GMs. I I had not realized they existed or how common they had become. The crew overwhelmingly looked at it from an angle that moved the perspective I was trying to make. Sorry about that. We do that. No, that's good. He's saying that we changed his mind. He thought it was... No, It's almost like we do it on purpose. Don't have enough emails? Make him write in again. (laughs) (laughs) It moved the perspective from the point he was trying to make. I'm not sure if it was a good thing. The cast made great points about people making money, doing something they enjoy in our capitalistic economy... People got to hustle. Agreed. But my perspective was just how weird this situation is. If a group of people pay a few hundred dollars for a session of a game, can that game end in a TPK in 20 minutes? Or do the players have a I win button? Both seem disappointing options. Not that I want a TPK, but it can't happen then. It's like paying someone to fudge dice and laugh at my dumb jokes. Oh, but if it can't happen then, it's like paying someone to fudge dice and laugh at my dumb jokes. It's (laughs) utterly bizarre (laughs) for me to wrap my brain around. As I now find myself looking for a new online group, I find these pay-for-friends options clutter the field and are disheartening. R.I.P. Happy Jacks Forum, (laughs) where I met my last group of fantastic friends from all around the world. And yes, there is a Discord... But it's for younger people who can absorb the uncategorized stream of consciousness. <laughs> for me, it's like watching the green code of the Matrix blow up my screen. <laughs> also, the Matrix is 22 years old now, Fuck so off. many younger people won't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Love the show, Josh and Orlando. Oh, it's Mal- Malifer. Yeah. yeah. Malifer, Malifer, you've been around a long, long time. Thank you for your, um, thank you for your support. Yes. So, well, if you let, let me let me frame this as a hypothetical question. You get paid to GM for a bunch of strangers. Mm-hmm. What? How? How are you going to tailor that game for them as far as the experience that they're going to get? Well, I have a little bit of experience watching this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a person I, but she's a vocal coach called the Charismatic Voice, but she also is a nerd and has a, a game on Twitch, Battle Bards, mm-hmm. and they and they all live in various places around the country, and they got together and the Charismatic Voice streams once a month, and they have paid for a GM to run the show, and I watched their first episode, and they had a little bit of a preamble where they talked about how they found this guy. I, I actually went and downloaded. He's got a website. It's uh, dmpro.com or whatever, or dmpro.app. I'll look it we're, up. We're not, we don't, we don't I, know it's him. It's not an affiliate. Yeah. I don't know yeah. it. I don't, but but the, my point is, he's actually set up a whole website that that yeah. he's able to do this with. 
and he does a little interview first. He does like a, a session zero where he talks to the people. He, you know, he get, figures out what they want, what level, what they what they like, what they don't like. Um, I think he even does character gen like for free at first. So there's sort of a meet and greet, and yeah. he takes notes, and then he goes away and crafts um, or tailors some adventure that he already has for them. So in a, in a way, it's not like pay me your money, kill you in 20 minutes, and gone. Mm-hmm. There's some time invested, in, you know. You know where they know where to find you if you if you TPK the party, and I'm sure that there's like a discussion about that. Like, you know, you could die. Is that a thing? Is that are you guys going to be okay with that if things go sideways? Now they're playing D and D, so it's kind of hard. It's not super easy to kill characters. Exactly. In I mean, well, you could super easy to kill characters if you really want to kill characters in yeah. anything. Yeah. But but, so, but it's it, but in normal ordinary. Run-of-the-mill balanced combats. But my my point is, very rare. There's a definite sort of social contract, I think. When and it might be even a legal contract. They didn't didn't go that far in in, in, before they even started the game about what to expect and what to go on. And he also crafts the game around their wants and needs. So I think it's not quite as cutthroat and pessimistic as one would think. Now I'm a pessimistic person. I've gotten to the point now where every commercial I see. Yeah, <laughs> I'm shocked. I know. All right. Every commercial I see, uh, I just figure it's their ultras trying to build me out of something. Uh, it's so not going to work. You're right. Everything's wrong. Everything's bad. <clears throat> All of them. Oh yeah. God. Even yeah. legitimate people that you know probably want to come out and you know work on my house. United Way's commercials. Work. Fuck them. Fuck yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Starving kids in Africa. Not, that's not real. I, it's, I've gotten. It's gotten that point. We've just gotten so overwhelmed and so distrusting. So. I, I'm I'm with you. Like, what's to stop somebody from saying, "Yeah, I'll pay, pay me three hundred bucks," and then they don't show well, that, up, no, well, that or guy's, they show up and kill you? Well, that guy, yeah. See, the, the guy that does that is never going to get any more work. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Because I mean, most of, most of, anytime you start a business, especially early on, a lot of it is word of mouth mm-hmm. in almost any business, and especially there, something right? like this, which is ostensibly a social environment where you you are with groups of people. So if you kill off. A group it's of like, people. It's, it, word's going to get around. It's like if you're rich really and you're like, I want to throw a party, but I don't want to have to deal with it, so I'm going to hire a party planner. Because that exists. <laughs> yeah. That's you a hire great a party example. planner and they do a half ass shitty job, yep. you're never going to recommend them to any of your other rich friends who want to have parties but not actually do any work. Right. But, but if there's a TPK, have they done a shitty job on your party now? I would say yes. <laughs> I would. I, I think if you're doing D and D, absolutely. That means they didn't balance the combat correctly. Right. Like I would say that's a legitimate like grievance. And, and I mean, it, unless you're playing with Stork and he goes down one hallway, and then I'm just kidding. That's well, you, you can't. You, you got to account for yeah, that. I know. Yeah, or just your dice failing like but we I, had the last yeah. your last game. Oh my god! I yes. know. <laughs> <laughs> fail after fail yeah. after fail. It was epic. But I, I think that if. Um, yeah, if you if you hand the players a TPK, they're going to get pissed off, and I think that's legitimate. Yeah. Even even if it is even if it is a legitimate TPK where it's not like the, the GM is like, well, I don't really want to do this for four hours, but I want to get paid for four hours. I'm going to. If you do that, you aren't going to do it for very long. No. Right. You've got to give the players a fun game. Yeah. You've got to give them a good time, especially they're paying for it. Yeah. It's like it's something like being a stand-up comedian. You go up and just like tell a monologue that doesn't have any jokes in it. Mm-hmm. For, for feeling attacked. Years. <laughs> well, and I think I think like you said, like I mean, I know I have some friends who are professional GMs now. Um, I've never done it, but um, like a lot of times they have agreements. Like, okay, what happens if there's a TPK? Like, right. so they are like, okay, like we'll start rolling up new characters. Like, there's all like they talk about that ahead of time, so the players know what to to expect. Because right. yes, it's a possibility in any game, 
And some games, if you're playing like GURPS or something like that, like it's a very real possibility. Oh, I would, if I was a, a, a professional GM, like paying, I would never run GURPS. <laughs> if I did, if I did, I'm gonna, I would tell them right away. I, I would nerf the system in some way. Well, no, because like, you can kill them accidentally. Right. But that's part, also part of the gaming experience. So when you, when you start at the beginning, you're like, hey. This is well, a, this is a system where they're, if they're like, hey, we want to play GURPS, cool, okay, this is a system where you might die. Let's have characters rolled up ahead of time. That's what character. I was going to say. Yeah, everyone would have at least one backup character. Right. So you have that set up ahead of time um, for a stream. They may not. I don't know if they've talked about that. I have no idea. But like that's what a lot of them do, where they have like a plan. Like, okay, if everybody, if your character dies, especially because. At some point in most campaigns, there's a character who will probably get very hurt or die. Sure. So even if you don't have a TPK, you need to have a plan for that player who's also paying, who's also part of the fun, who's going to have a character die at some point. Right. So having a backup character set up, having, okay, this is what we're going to do. Um, I mean, for D&D, there's like a million things you can like revive them and all that stuff, too. So there's, there's lots of options, as long as it's not a TPK. But just having... All those agreements up front, just like you would for a normal gaming group. Right. Like, hey, this is what's going to happen. And depending on the groups, some groups might be like, no, none of us should die. I have a feeling that that's not very many groups. Though. Maybe if it's like a new group who's never played before. But I have never sat down with a group who's like, no, nobody can die. Like, like if you want to play a game, even if you're playing a GM or a DM. Well, there are games where characters don't. There are right. systems where characters don't die. Absolutely. I've designed them. <clears throat> but, um, <laughs> like... Uh, like, like that's part of like the gaming experience for a lot of systems. Yes. So that's like part of the agreement. So you sit down. Hey, this is the game we're going to play. Dying's a possibility. And you might get hurt. And I mean, you got to balance the risks and the reward. And if right. the risks aren't real, or at least perceived as real, right. the rewards don't seem to mean as much. Yeah. So I hundred. I mean, at least as far as my friends who do it, like if you're constantly nerfing things and you're like messing with your roles so that there's not any danger, so that there's not death that's going to happen, like you're not also not going to get work for very long either because right. people figure that out because um, so you've got it depends how good how good you are true I mean you you can, you can there there have been times where I have players have been in combats where they think it's like super fucking dangerous yeah and they, when they fin it when they actually beat it and I know they're gonna beat it yeah I just 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 by the game mechanics it's like yeah they're gonna someone might get hurt but they're gonna kill this thing yeah and they're like relieved. The, yeah. play, the whole part's like, oh thank God. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it's like like this, the, the the first fight you guys had in my groups game was against zombies that didn't activate until you fucked with them. <laughs> and there were four zombies, and there were four players, and you guys barely survived. <laughs> and you could and you and and those zombies you didn't have. And it, it, I made it pretty reasonably clear that they were inert and then until you went over and like pushed on them or poked mm-hmm. them or whatever you did yep. and, and then all of a sudden it gets up yeah. but the other ones stay and it's like so you're only fighting one zombie you could only you, you weren't you were fighting like, two and then one and one I don't remember exactly what, how you were it fighting happened. three and then oh, and then three I went and poked then, the last one at the end right after the three were down mm. but I mean I, I thought I thought that would have been a really easy, very simple combat encounter, mm-hmm. and I was wrong. Well, <laughs> again, <laughs> the dice rolls weren't working. I, I do believe that somebody got, got shot through the mouth. Two critical <laughs> failures, and when they, when when Chris's character tried to heal him, right. she got a critical failure yep. there too. So sometimes, and like it's Gerbs, like I'm going to go through puberty right here, Gerbs. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know it's great. It's great. Uh, I have like a character that has 12 points and you had us roll to go down you know, dangerous stairs. I took five points of damage. Almost half my hit points 
<laughs> falling downstairs. It's very dangerous to fall downstairs. I, it's girth. Remember how you used falling. to say that falling downstairs was your litmus test uh, on how is. a system, it, how it, realistic it, a system is? That's where I was going with this. It, it still holds water. Yeah. I, I contend that it still holds water. It is a great litmus, litmus test. On you can die in GURPS falling downstairs. Yeah. You can die in real life falling that's downstairs. Not, that's how simulationist <laughs> yes. it is. Yeah, so, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> like, like, again, like, I mean, depending on the, the GM or DM you get, like, it is 100% right now mostly word of mouth. Like, there are people who put up websites and stuff, but very few for higher GMs and DMs are actually getting work that way. It's almost all, hey, I saw you on this thing streaming, or right. I have friends who played in a game or have seen good reviews about you. And you gotta, you got to balance out, because you want, you, you want them to have a good time. You want them to have fun. But you also want them to have to like work and think that they've yeah. achieved something to get that, yeah. to have that fun. But and and I mean, that's a it's real balancing thing. act. Yeah, but it's the same thing you do with normal gaming groups. No, but when you have a regular gaming group, you always have those sessions. Not always, but mm-hmm. every so often you'll have this session that where it's just like frustration all around. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Usually because of dice. Can you imagine if you paid some guy $500 to come and GM for you for one night for three or four hours, and you had one of those sessions where, like, no one can make a roll to save their life? Right, but and that's fight- also part of the experience. Right, right, but... <laughs> but now you're out 500 bucks. You have not 500 just, bucks and you, had a, case. and you had a frustrating game. Yeah, not just a case of beer and some <laughs> chips. You're actually out money. Right. See, I don't know. Like, I feel like that, like, we do streaming games, like... And we've got games where we are like that, and people are like dedicating their time to listen to us play. That's true. So I mean, like, we're not getting paid. We also, I mean, <laughs> <But> clearly, <laughs> we, we also we also are, are rather light heart, or a rather light hearted group when it comes to game mechanics. Yeah. Because I mean, if someone fucks up, it's like, ooh, what interesting thing is going to happen now? Yeah. How are, how am I going to fuck up my life by accidentally rolling a critical failure? Yeah, and and I would also say like. Like, bad roles, that's not the GM's fault. Like, that's not anything that that person can control. That's no, part of the gaming experience. But I have certainly had players get, like, mad and frustrated because they can't make roles. Right, it's, That is not an uncommon thing to have happen. Right. And if you got two or three of those guys at a table and... and <laughs> 100%. I can see risk. how I, I can see how this could go bad. I bet other players get mad at me for bad roles. Right. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because I, you know, I did my my time as like a babysitter, like getting paid to like make children happy. That like it doesn't seem that different. To right. Me. It's like, well, well, yeah. <laughs> it's like if what one kid's like, we hate that, like that lady. We don't like her, mom. Like you're out your job. Like right. That's actually a really good analogy, yeah, right? So, it's like if you're a crappy babysitter that that abuses the children, they're not going to call you back, and you're not going to get any if, more work. Or I've had like the ones who were like, "Can we have cookies? No, we're going to tell our mom we don't like you if you don't." And I'm like, cool. Uh, I'm going to tell her about this conversation, and let's see how let's see, let's see who she believes. And they're like, uh. "Oh, you're smarter than our other babysitter." <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I feel like it's like I mean that may also just be not a good match. Like if you're paying yeah. someone as a GM and you're being a pissy brat and you blame it on them, they might be relieved that you don't hire them again. Honestly, right. but I mean, I would I wonder again. It's like. Remember when we used to talk a bunch of smack about organized play? Mm-hmm. We're like, well, a lot of the people who play organized play probably are playing organized play because no one will let them in their group anymore. Because every so often you get, because you see, you get a lot of the not you don't get a lot, but no. those those kinds of people end up there because they because they've been kicked out of every group they've ever been in. Mm-hmm. So if you got someone you're hiring as a GM, you might have some of those players there because no one will GM for them. It's possible. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, you that's a total thing. You know, the closest analogy I have that, that sort of justifies it in my brain is like, it's not much different than a con game. Where you oh, are, I think they're all very similar. Yeah, because because you're very aware that you have a, a bunch of strangers that you're trying to impress. You want to make sure they have and a good time, and they did pay to get there. They, they did to pay there. to get in there. Yeah, you didn't get the money, but and, right, but they still <laughs> they're still out cash. Yeah, wait, I paid to be here so that you could pay to be here. What? Okay, and and so there's an obligation. Uh, at least whenever I'm running at a con game, to make sure that my well, players have a good time. There should be an time. obligation everyone It's a show. We're putting games. on a performance. We're putting right. on a show. And we're putting, throwing a, a party, and you want to make sure everybody has a good time. Have I fudged rolls? Not recently, but I think in maybe the first game we did, I think I rolled like a total, like, you know, eight. I think it was Traveler, and I rolled like three sixes or something. And <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to re roll these or, yeah. or something. Because it, it would not have been conducive to anybody mm-hmm. for that at that point. And it wasn't, it wasn't that critical of a role. It was something like, um, again, this is before I learned to give them the information. <laughs> I was Everybody has to roll to make sure that you can hack into the computer, and it was like, oh, here, you know what, you need this to move on with the story. Mm-hmm. The point is, um, it's like a con game, basically, and, and I'm assuming that a, a pay-for-GM also has some, some adventures sort of skeletonized in his head that he can yeah. then just pull off the shelf Cobble oh, I would, have, for, I would the, imagine you, you, the, you, probably someone who's been gaming for a really long time, probably in one system, mm-hmm. you dandy, knows it like the back of their hand, mm-hmm. has run a multiple adventures multiple times, and knows which adventures mm-hmm. players like and which ones they don't. And they probably just use the ones that they know are winners. And I guarantee. Uh, my daughter started a GM now. She's run the same game for two different groups, and they're completely different games. Right. Mm-hmm. She's she validated right. to me, and I'm See, like, that "Yep, bore, that happens." That would bore the tears out of me to to like run the same. I I, I don't think I've ever done it. Yeah, no, I did. I did. I did. I did, I did it as an experiment at one of the cons, and it was it was it was reasonably entertaining. But I would if I had if I ran the same adventure over and over again for someone. I, but the con games I've run. I think Dave and I ran myself. a couple of them three, the same game three times. Just yeah. with different groups of people, and yeah. they were different every time. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know. It, 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 it would bore me. <laughs> not not as a player, but as the GM. As a GM. Yeah, maybe. I like your partner, bring you back to the email, I like your party planner analogy. That's a really great example where you basically hire somebody to do all of the work for you, for you so you can have a party, so you can have a good time. Uh-huh. Right. Right, and it's a very similar contract, right? And I'm, I'm, I don't know if... And maybe at some point, you know, when you hire a GM, there might be some actual legal boilerplate that you. you I'm know, sure I'm not is. responsible if your characters roll badly. I'm not, you know, if there's right. a TPK, it's not my fault or whatever it is that that everybody signs so that they know. Yeah. A um, GM, if he's rolling behind a screen, can make sure there's never a TPK. This it's, is true. Right, but again, on. like. I don't know. Like, I think different groups would want different things. I, I, and I, that's what you have to talk about. You I, just have I to would, make sure you're all on yeah. the same page. I would be curious to know if these GMs do roll in front of them or if they roll by the screen. Well, it the, depends. The one, I'm sure there's as many as, like, they do all uh, The successful things. ones. I'm talking about the ones that are successful. I'll bet you there's a formula to it. That, Maybe. Well, the one I was showing, the one I was showing, they were using an automatic dice roller, I think, and they also had a... a a miniature mover that somebody, mm. one of the people in the group had developed that they were moving around, which was really cool. It's 3D minis that move around. So, and then oh, the GM, like but a, it was all zooming. So oh, okay. the GM was, you know, it was a little box and everybody else was playing down below. And I think that that's, that makes sense that as a GM for hire, if you've got a bunch of people in different parts of the, of LA even, where it's a three hour drive sometimes, depending on where you live, it's easier to just do it all online at home, even if you are all within the relative area. But that's rarer and rarer. More and more people are just geographically separated now. 
Well, you also have to realize when you're watching streams, like we are one of the only streams where we're all friends and we're just doing it for fun. Like we do like our Patreon, which pays for some of the improvements in the studio and stuff. But 95%, maybe not 95, but but most of the streams you watch now that are gaming, like they're getting paid. Everybody there is getting paid. Some of them a lot. Yeah, some of them a lot. So it's like the GM. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No. But I'm saying like we all are much more used to watching paid GMs and paid DMs than we realize because even though they're groups of friends, like they're getting paid for their showtime. They're getting paid for the prep, which they absolutely should be. So it's like it seems like this weird off-the-wall concept, but like a ton of them are getting paid. Like Matt Mercer getting paid to DM. Like, Well, he's like the top of... Right. But but I'm saying like and there and there's an order of magnitude gap between him and whoever's number two. No, I, I realize that. <laughs> but I'm saying like they're getting paid. People right. on Saving Throw Show are getting paid. Right. People on like every single show that you watch, they're all getting paid. They're getting paid to prep the games. They're getting paid to play their games. So like being paid to game is something that is now incredibly common and is something that while like kind of the old guard, it's like oh that seems so weird. It's like. Okay, but lots of us, especially if you're watching this or listening to this, you know, a lot of the podcasts you listen to, like, they're all being paid for their time and their effort. So right. That's a really astute point. That, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> really. Not podcasts. The, the percentage of people who are paid for their podcasts is not, won't, won't even be 1%. <laughs> right, but you have to think now how many of the streaming shows release as podcasts. That oh, are being okay. listened to regularly. Right. Can you imagine that all but of that? But the- that's still a tiny, tiny fraction. There's, there's like... There's like 800,000 podcasts or something. And the amount, number okay, of podcasts that look, are, okay, are look, insane. Yeah, but when we look at... If you're looking at you're talking about just tabletop RPG, RPG podcasts, podcasts... It's Critical Role. Yeah, there's tons, okay, it's tons the Adventure of people. Zone. It's, yeah, but you're talking about the people who are in the, like, the top 10. Get out of that, the top 10 or okay, top 20 of the that. The ones that the majority of people listen to. Are paid. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yes, that's true of anything. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get a cease and desist from them sooner or later because they're like, wait, you guys do this for free? Yeah, I know. You, guys, you guys are undercutting our Everybody, bottom line yeah. because the top you guys 1% are free? of anyone in anything is getting paid <laughs> if they want to be. Yes. <laughs> I mean, what? what? You, you do that for fun? You, nobody pays you? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> Why would you do that? Well, and I, th- I, I think that's absolutely fine. Like a that's lot like of them, when people find out how much we get paid at fair. <laughs> it's yeah, like, that's well, there's not... eighty of us in the band. So. Yeah, that's amazing. You each get paid forty dollars a whole day. That's amazing. <laughs> oh man, yeah. That's I think that's why it's like, <laughs> and it's been that way for thirty years. For thirty years. <laughs> so I know. But anyway, so I'm just saying, like the like be, paid GMs are something that more we have more. A lot, at least a lot of us have a lot more. Uh, touchstones with than we realize. That's yeah. my point, basically. It's, yeah. it's much more common than we think. Like, hiring a guy to come to your house, I think, is still a little bit rare. But, and especially... It just seems weird. It just seems... Uh, the only thing I would think it, it, it's, it is if, you, if it's people who have a lot of disposable income and decide, just on a lark, I want to play D&D and I don't know anything about it. Yeah. That's someone who's going to go go on the internet and try to find a professional GM to come and come to their house and run a game. Well, and, mo- and, and most of them aren't hundred dollars, like five hundred dollars a game. Like that's like I, I don't know. There is the one guy he had like an article in the in a magazine that I read about. That's like a professional GM. Oh, if He's, I leave my house, it's a hundred dollars an hour. Period. Right? No, I know. But, but <laughs> these are like a hundred bucks a game kind of thing. It's not a hundred bucks an hour. No, no, hundred bucks a game. No, huh. no, but no like, way. Never. But, 
Okay, but also if you have like four or five people playing, like whatever your game, you, you never leave your house for anything. Yes, but, I like, do. I work every day. <laughs> but you get paid for it. Yes, yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Not hundred dollars an hour. But. No. But I'm saying, like most of them get paid like a hundred bucks a game, something like that. If you get four or five people playing, that's twenty five bucks each. It's not like that's not like, a lot of money. Though. Yeah, it's not like bank breaking. Like when you're talking about like the the five hundred dollars a game. Like I don't think that's not that's not most people. There's probably like maybe one professional GM out there making that like for doing professional games. So it's mm-hmm. also something that's a lot more affordable than we think. I would one bitcoin per session. That's oh what I want. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. It's, you don't even leave your house for like friend events, like. Yes, I do. Rarely, like twice a year. I don't have that many friends. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm one of your few friends. This is very true. <laughs> I'm the one who's like, "Hey, you want to do this?" No. I, 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 I was just at a wrestling match. For your son. Two days in a row. Of course. <laughs> That's different. You said I don't leave the house for anything. Okay. I do. You do. I do. Yes. And it, by Listen, the way, he's doing very well. Student, let's not let the facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> yeah. Okay? You're a curmudgeon who doesn't leave the house. is you, much more interesting <laughs> than the right. actual being a functional you adult. You built a studio, so we all had to come here. We know how it works. <laughs> and I still contend the only reason you used to throw parties was to get all the free beer. Yeah. Also, cryptocurrency sucks. So. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's awesome. No. You might as well just pay it in wow money. That actually has, like, legal... Oh, not anymore. Money. Not anymore? <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. What happened? Blizzard Activision. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Nightmare. I, I, no, I love cryptocurrency. No, we don't want to talk about it anymore. It's terrible. All right. it's, it's awesome. No, it's terrible for the environment. Don't do it. It's awesome. okay. Everything's terrible for the environment. We're yeah. terrible for the environment. I know. I'm, <laughs> after, after a large dinner, terrible. <laughs> terrible for the environment. You know, I, was, I still have my mask on because I was at the thing I go yeah. mask inside. And it's super handy when you go into a, like a restroom and the person that went in before you like totally destroyed the toilet. Oh. You open it up. Hmm? No problem. <laughs> I'm okay. so glad you went with that and not the missing toilet paper. Okay. <laughs> Let's just like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kimmy. You try to class uh, the place up, and you know, always depend on me. It's fine. It's just fine. Really That's nasty. Yeah. That's Kimmy's bad. like, and you wonder why I don't like to be on the cast with you anymore. <laughs> She has. She said that to me. No, I have not. (laughs) We just have a kid, so we have to split up the weeks. It's easier if one of us is here every other week. Listen, again, don't let the facts get in the way. (laughs) No one, like, disparaging, like, oh, the drama. That's true. Stork and Kimmy don't like each other. We're actually pretty drama-free these days. I know we are. We always get to see each other outside the cast. (laughs) (laughs) That hasn't been fair for two years. Where's the drama going to come from? Right. Or Comic-Con. I can't wait for the next fair. I know. I bought 1,000-watt speakers oh at the Rogue's Reef. Okay, that's exciting. We've been using 100-watt speakers. Yes. <laughs> but we're not going to be louder. The, oh. whole, the whole purpose of it is so that we're not using... It has a lot more headroom so the sound will be cleaner. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, I wanted to, real quick before we go, um, talk to you. My uh, game Starscape is now out um, for its beta playtesting. Mm-hmm. So you can download it for free on my itch.io page if you won't go there. Um, you'll also get updates when I update it, so you'll get like a little notification, so that's a great place to download it. You can download it for free if you go to goldenlassogames.com slash Starscape. There's a link there. You can just click the link. It says download. Um, and, yeah, so it's a Powered by the Apocalypse game um, in space. Um, it's basically about trust and found family and emotions in space. Excellent. I yeah. watched your game the, the other day, the AP, by the way. I'm going to sing your praises. It's great. She's done so many neat things. Now, I haven't seen any of the artwork and stuff, but it mm-hmm. sounds like you're just spending a lot of time on the, on the layout and format and such. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I'm assuming Sam is doing some work too, so that'll Actually, be cool. it hasn't been through any official layout. Like, it okay. looks really nice, but it's very nice, like, Google Doc layout. And there's a lot, there's artwork throughout it, but it's it's not the final artwork. My yet. favorite part of your game, uh-huh. and I didn't see it as up, you said that you made <laughs> you made a chart on the back for Technobabble. Yes. So, like, you take one from column one, column one, and this, well, the, uh, the, the defibrillator flow dad was uh, clearly not fitting into the, uh, in the, uh, the France net. And, and instead of fumbling over it, you can just through and pull it out. Yes. It's a small thing, but genius. It'll help just everybody yeah. with the game, and it'll be fun. And it's, I mean, it's things like that, Kimmy, that are going to make you a great game designer. <laughs> thank Ma- you. That make you a great, Th- great thank game you, Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I had a bunch of trouble with that when I first started doing it. And I love Star Trek, and I'm good at improvising, and I still would be like, ah, uh, the realign the foil coil thingy and it was so bad um so i was like okay i'll make a chart and then because i'm a fourth grade teacher i laid it out so all you have to do is say a word read the word on top say another word read the next word on top like it like lays it out and it sounds like seamless and super cool and high tech so i'm sure this game is going to be full of wonderful things like that so yeah i'm super excited to see it when you uh when you get it out and release it to the wild but you're saying the beta is available the beta is available now you can download it it's everything you need um it's like 80 something pages um, it looks really nice. I'm very proud of how it looks. And, um, yeah, it's the first. It's version uh, one beta version 1.0. What are the uh, oh, what are the archetypes that you... Oh, my God. There's ten of them. Um, so there's... My favorites are the civilian, which is kind of like um, the Svetlana Troy or, um, uh, or uh, um, like, they're kind of like the diplomat, the talker. They, so like Inara from Inara is, which is a civilian, yeah. Um, Quark is also a civilian because he's like on the because each each playbook has a background you get to pick. So for the civilian, you get to be a diplomat, you get to be an entrepreneur, or um, you get to be a um, a religious figure. So if you you could also be like Karin if you watched DS Nine. Um, so yeah, so that they're like a religious figure who like. Is super shady and like tries to get advantage for themselves and stuff. So Who's basically, Corinne? I don't remember. Corinne, Cor is her like, uh, is like the, was only the in title. A, was only in a few episodes. No, she's, a, a she's the big. Yeah, she's, she's the older religious woman who like. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Who she yeah, is. yeah. I'm, I'm um, smiling because Kimmy has done a ton of research. <laughs> so much right. research. You said the funniest thing on your cast. Oh yeah. You said. I have been watching so much Star Trek that I'm really surprised that my daughter wasn't born speaking Klingon. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. That's what I was I w- it wouldn't it be yeah. nice if Star Trek could settle down on what Klingons look like? <laughs> right? I don't know, yeah. But I, I actually was thinking about that lately. Like, we were going back through my phone because we have so many little, like, little videos of her when she was, like, a newborn and stuff. And, like, like 80% of them have Star Trek sound in the background because <laughs> I watched it like just constantly especially those first few months where it's like you sit and you feed her and then you sit and you hold her and you sit and she goes to sleep for like five minutes and then you, like, you're holding her again and it's like there's like wharf in the background like talking through all her <laughs> or, or he does, like, he talks really down here just like oh god ruined it Anyway, yeah, yeah. But you didn't you, just watch Star Trek; you've watched everything. Everything, yeah. I even watched some Andromeda. Like Andromeda is fantastic. <laughs> it's pretty good. I, you yeah, should, you should tell me. I have the whole the whole series. Oh, well, on, I bought it. Amazon but Prime. yeah, I watched um, Star Trek, all the Star Treks through Voyager. I haven't watched the new, the newer ones yet, um, yeah, just because I wasn't going to pay for another streaming service. Yeah, I watched, uh, I rewatched uh, all the Stargates and Stargate Atlantis. Well, these are these are long runs. These are like six years, seven years worth oh, of episodes. Stargate yeah. ran a long, a long time. Yeah, it did, I mean, all yeah. 
Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. Did then, you watch Un- Star Stargate Universe? No, I haven't watched that one yet. Oh my god, it's, it's, very it's good. the best I, thing I've ever seen yeah, on television. I rewatched Fire, Firefly. I rewatched um, Battlestar Galactica. I watched Farscape. And fell totally in love with it. It's, it's fantastic. I love it yeah. so much. It's so good. Um, Andromeda. I watched all of ba- um, Babylon Five. Which oh, it was so good until the last season when it turns to shit. Oh, really? No, oh, I, thought I thought it was, it was okay. Oh. The Penn and Teller episode. Hello, come on. The story was done. Uh, well, the story was. Oh, we get another season. Uh, okay. Let's have Penn and Teller come in. We're big fans. Why not? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I might. Because okay. <laughs> remember, yeah. the whole story arc is supposed to end with the big. You find oh, spoilers! Angels and demons, ooh, and the big thing, and that all happens, and it's like the next season, it's like, hey, we're gonna be wacky now because yeah. we don't know what else to do. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, James uh, V, thank you so much. He helped me out. My playbooks are the civilian, the explorer, the explorers, like um, like a scientist, but instead of just being in their lab, they want to go out and do something. Mm-hmm. Um, like they have a cause that they're looking for. They want to solve something. The gifted, which is kind of like the Deanna Troy, who like has special powers. Um, there's the Greenhorn, which is like the noob on the ship. Um, you know the. Uh, Ensign Kim, that sort of thing. They're trying to figure it out. The hotshot, which, I mean, come on, that's Kirk, that's Riker, that's... Hansel. You know, yeah, <laughs> Hansel, exactly. Um, so the normal, which is, um, like, the red shirt, who's, <laughs> like, like, the no-name... You can play an extra who's going to die? <laughs> yeah! Okay, that's pretty much... I'm feeling attacked. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the idea is, like, you kind of break out of that, like, you're the no-name background character, and you kind of end up becoming... You build up on that. Galaxy Quest, it was Guy. Guy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or you start out as, like, what's his name? O'Brien. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> O'Brien's one of the, name, the, the touchstones on that. Um, and then you've got the outsider. That's someone who's kind of shady. You can't trust. They're a spy. So Garrick is Harcourt a good one that. Fenton Mud, you've <laughs> been drinking again. Yes. Some of the best television ever. That actor. <laughs> He's yeah. awesome. When is, when is California Dave, when is Kadave going to be going as Hardcore Fenton Mud? <laughs> Because they have the jovial, the or build, the other, the there's voice. the other, there's the, there's really two Falstaff characters. Yes, in the triple dealer, that guy, that yeah. he should do that guy. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. and then we've got the rebel um, who's like fighting for a cause that's like Mal, or that's like uh, there's tons of rebels on uh, Star Trek and a bunch of different ones. Um, uh, Sabine from Rebels <coughs> actually is a great example of that. Um, the unfamiliar, that's the Data, that's the Seven of Nine, okay. that's the you know, uh, the the character who's different and doesn't quite have the same emotional reactions as everybody right. else. Oh, what's his name, too, human. probably? Spock. Remember, no, m- m- remember, Spock, yeah. remember when um, um, Next Generation got so boring they had to add a character with personal problems? Uh, what's his name? Come on. <laughs> there's like a lot of them. I watched no, them. there's one character that they introduced. Neelix? No, no, and, and That's Next Generation. Oh. He stuttered. He, he had he had the porn addiction in the Oh, that, no, the yeah, that's um, um, Barkley. Barkley, yeah. yeah. I don't remember Barkley. So, you don't remember Barkley? He's the one howling mad Murdoch. He's the normal for the playbooks. Um, and then we've got... Oh, really? Yeah. I would make him an... I, well, yeah, I would he's, he's a background outsider. character who's not good, and like nobody nobody likes him. He's not important, and then he slowly like becomes like very important, and then Voyager, very, very <laughs> important. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then yeah, the unfamiliar, and then the, the warrior is the last one. Right. Yeah. 
I'm really looking forward to it. I'm You've excited. done a ton of work in it, and I think it's going to be great. <coughs> almost two years, I realized. Like, it's been like two years of designing. Well, there's a and now pandemic where you had a, you know, a lot of spare time to do stuff. But still, that's an enormous amount of work. And everybody says Powered by the Apocalypse is a great game. It's really adaptable and all that. Everybody I've known that's tried making one has spent two years <laughs> laboring over it the thing. It takes a lot it of time. Takes a, there's a lot of little moving parts that you got to make sure... Oh, it's work. like Jason is is like yeah. yeah. He just yeah, he used to put it out an update. He says, "Hey, look." It's, <laughs> it's been like ten years now. No, it has <laughs> not, not been ten years. Oh, I'm sorry. I think of a different. I've known him. Think of another years. Jason. Yeah, he was yeah, also yeah. working with the Power by the Apocalypse for the longest time and tinkering with it just oh, because yeah, yeah. because if one part doesn't anyway. My point is they, they it's the bait and switch. Oh, come on! Here's a great system. It'll be easy to work on. You're like, oh, I'm going to design a game, and then. Five years later, it's, struggling and threatening. It's you're super like, easy to design done. like a little homebrew game that you and your player <laughs> friends are going to play. If you're actually designing it for some, that's things, the problem. Yeah, yeah, playing something that strangers can pick up and like do, and that. not just that, but have, but but be to write it in to make it sure it's an accessible language yeah. that anyone can understand it without you there to explain it yeah. to them. And not, that's the hard and part. not break it. Like you can't design it for bad faith players, but you don't want to design a game that someone can sit down and try and make something amazing and then just be completely yeah. overpowered or like it doesn't work right. Well, balance that's, issues that, are a problem. That's why they have errata. Yeah. And playtesting. And playtesting. <laughs> balance is a problem even in professional games. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's lots of times where they're like, oops. Yeah. Uh, why do you, do you, well, that's why D&D's on its fifth edition. <laughs> no, that's just a money grab Soon so they can put out fluff books. Five point whatever. Yeah. Well, remember, they came out with 3.0 and, and, and like within a couple of years you're like, oh, fuck. And that's and they had to do oh, basically reboot it. I, I still have like an entire full file cabinet full of those fluff books though. So. Mm-hmm. You really only need the first three books, and then you've got the planes, you've got all you know the demons, they've got all they don't produce it. I'm I'm actually kind of shocked how how few books Watsy has produced for fifth edition. It costs a lot of money to make a book, and nobody reads them anymore. I mean, there's tons. They're not that a fifth physical book. You mean? No, there's not that many. No, because they they use that online, that 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 you online. Still buy them online though. Your mic is muted. Oh, sorry. Oh, you still buy them online though. You pay the full price. No, no, no. I I'm, oh. I'm not talking. I'm not talking. The, I'm talking about how many player handbooks are there for fifth edition D and D? One. Okay. How many were there for second edition or fourth edition D and D? No idea. Two. Two or three. Oh. How many DMGs were there for fourth edition compared to? There's one now. There were two. In the previous monster manuals, fiend folio. Think of all the different monster manuals. You have one monster manual for. Well, demons. then they started adding all these different character archetypes too, from the blade dancer. Well, they, they've added. All they've added. Stuff. They've added setting books that they've added additional stuff in. Yeah. But they're they're not doing it. They're not adding so, the, that sort of generic supplement mm-hmm. that they added, like fiend folio. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, all of the various uh, player handbooks that you had, was it second edition that had more than one player? I don't remember. There was another, because I never played second edition. Yeah. There was another another version that had it. James in the chat uh, says, Watsi actually said they are specifically making sure not to flood the environment like they did for 3.0, 3.5, and 4.0. So that's actually a marketing choice on their part, which I think is good. I mean, they're coming out with tons of, like, adventure and setting books, like you said. And I think they've <coughs> they're seen- coming out with tons of them. The amount of stuff that they're producing is not very much. You go and look at the D and D section at, at Game Empire or, or whatever. Well, it's yeah, but now. they might not be carrying all the setting books. Like I feel like every five minutes there's another announcement of another D and D setting. Maybe or online only, book. but as, as far as printing ex, printing actual books, yeah, they just like, you, you, you look at they had you know row after row after row of books, and you look at them, and it's only like eight titles. 
Yeah, Nobody buys books anymore. They're bad for the environment. Nobody knows how to read. It's all online. <laughs> I think more and more people just don't have physical books. I mean, I, I know yeah. people that have gotten rid of all of their physical but books that, and put them all in PDF. Is Watsi producing non-book PDF no only? Oh, I would that, I would. that is theirs? That they're would, producing in-house? I would bet so, yeah. I, I, I think know. it's probably subscription-based. I'm fi- I think they come out with at least, like, Three a year. I can name. There's three of them in the last in the last few months. Like they come out with at least in the last out, few months. Yeah. They, okay. They came out with the well, the maybe. Harry Potter knockoff one. I don't know. Candlekeep something. Those are the, and, the, you're talking about the setting books. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm talking about. Yeah, the setting books. They come out with a certain number because I feel like they they've incorporated a lot of what you were saying into those instead rather than making it like oh you have to buy all these books if you buy this set if you're going to run in this setting here's all the stuff you need for this setting like all in that right well the answers are right here like some the last one was dragon's treasury which i've seen ads for and some of the reviews about as well and then um See, none of us play D anD D that much, so we're really—I don't even really. Strict seven. That's what it is. Yeah. And then um, uh, a bunch of my friends song. write for them, though, so I get all the announcements, and then I'm like, "Hey, that's amazing! I'm so glad for you. I'm never gonna play that thing." Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, we should uh, we should table this for another. This is a good conversation this that we could have for another time. Yeah, well, they, they, it's all in the, the their drive through RPG yeah. sub thing, exactly. whatever it is. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. <clears throat> I'm. I seem to remember there was a subscription based model that they were doing for forty, maybe. Originally, that you would pay X amount of money and they would send you. Well, they still have that. The whole digital service. They still have. They that. still have like for the character builder and all that shit. They still have that where you pay whatever a month to have access. It to only that. they've, they've revamped the it though, so it's only mm. if you're the GM do you pay. Oh, I, really? I'm playing in two different campaigns right now, and I don't pay anything as a player. I have a free account where I can build my characters, but the the GM pays their subscription fee, and they've bought their books that. Then they are able to share with me <coughs> that I have access to. Oh, okay. So, which is a, a much better design. Right? How, how? I bet it's not cheap though. If it's if only GMs are getting it now. I don't know. But hmm. I, I think especially if you re- pay your GM. Well, I think they've realized that like they make up for it in people playing the number of people playing D and D, like. Like I think it makes a lot more people play if they don't have well, to pay subscription fees. And you're also not printing up a ton of books. They've as already well. That's created already. all that content for the books anyway. Yeah. All so, the, and it's already in a digital format. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's cheaper to just keep it there. Like I said, I mean, maybe they're printing up books on demand, but the the physical printing up and storing of books is cost a ton of money. Oh, absolutely. And shipping yeah. it to it, there's all kinds of costs. So, there's warehousing I'm costs. Sure that, there's all kinds. Yeah, of I'm costs. sure they save a lot more money with a subscription based thing and make more money because they're not having to babysit a bunch of you know pallets and pallets of well, water sure. sog, mm-hmm. waterlogged books. <laughs> Did you ever see that? Was it called? What's what's the? It's that multi level marketing clothing thing. Lulu Ray. Lululemon. No, Lulu. It's called Lulu Ray. Mm-hmm. I think. Have you heard of this? It's a multi level marketing thing. They started out it's making. It's Lululemon. It's like. It's not Lululemon. It's, it's called Lulu, Lulu Ray. And it sees two people. It's a it's a Very documentary. Similar, it's an documentary on Netflix, and they're the, they're two of the worst human beings I've ever seen in my life. It's Tiger King for multi level marketing. That's what it is. Do they sell like <laughs> leggings? Yes. It's not Lululemon. It's okay. Lululemon. I'll, I'll look it up. And they're so counting on the fact that, that people think it's Lululemon. Is that the name of the the, the documentary? Because there's the Lululemon. I think is what it's called. Like are the leggings that people buy. I'm sorry, LuLaRoe. LuLaRoe. I'm, sure I'm sure they're counting on people Googling Lululemon, but they're only getting as far as Lulu and going to LuLaRoe and then getting their except, leggings instead. Except it's LuLaRoe. Oh. It's not Lulu, it's Lula. Okay. I never bought them, so I don't know. Oh, no, you, you wouldn't. But they, 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 had, they came up with these designs using like super fucking loud prints. For, yep. Started out with leggings. Then I they made dresses. 
<laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah, 100%. And, they had, and then they made dresses. They made all kinds of clothes. And that they grew so... Because it's you know, multi-level marketing. is massive scam. Mm-hmm. And because it's basically kind of like a pyramid scheme. Yes. And and they they um, grew so fast and needed to produce... Because you had to put down like an initial like $9,000 yeah, inventory buy yeah. or something. Yeah. <clears throat> That's how all MLMs work. But... Or concert venues if you're in a band. Right. <laughs> but um, they they had so much product that, that, that I can't remember the size of their warehouse. It was like a hundred thousand square foot warehouse. Whoa. Somewhere in the middle of nowhere in the in the in the like eastern United States mm-hmm. somewhere. And they had so much inventory that they started storing shit outside. <laughs> In, in Nebraska, part, not in got, Southern California, where it rains on. three days a year, yeah. but in some other part of the country where it rains sixty days. Where it's a sunny year. three days a year, right? And these people are getting like they're they're like everything's all wrapped in plastic, and they're picking this like, why does this pair of leggings weigh six pounds? Oh. And it's soaked with water, and oh. you open the thing up, and it's like mold everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it's amazing. It's a wow. It, it, it's a. It's and it's it's the the two they interview the two people. Mm-hmm. It's a husband and wife team that run this thing, and they're it's like watching Tiger King. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, it, it's this that caliber. Of I work with people like that all day. I don't need to watch that. For oh fun. my god! I just I'm all right. We're way over. anyway. All right. We are. Thank you. And I will <laughs> hit the thing. That's what I get for steering off and doing a plug. <laughs> I, oh, I, am, I am writing. The, I am writing the fourth novel of the Mandite series. Oh, you've, about, you've about solved the problem. You fixed it. Yeah. You found the. You found uh-huh. the hook. About halfway. Nice. About halfway through. Nice. I was going to try to get it done for NaNoWriMo, but it's not going to happen. Okay. Because it's already December. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was- and I wasn't even close. Oh. I mean, I, I think I wrote during November maybe like eight days. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. Well. Thank you for joining us, season twenty-nine, episode nine. Yeah. Nine of Happy Six Thirty Podcast. My name's Kimmy. I'm Stork, and we'll see you next time at seven thirty p.m. Pacific time next Friday, right here, HappyJacks.org/live. Have fun, and we'll roll the dice on more questions. Bye. Presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.